0: What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, another episode of Power to the Pod, which means it's your show, your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it, all here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm just steering the ship, so without further ado, let's dive right into your most pressing questions ahead of Week 15.
1: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. It is Tuesday evening, December 14th, for the Wednesday, December 15th episode of the show. Power to the pod, your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it. A couple of you guys are already here in the comment section. Uh, Fernando, Pat, Brandon, Paul, good to see you guys. I'll make sure you leave your questions if you're interested in partaking in the live shows locked on dolphins at YouTube. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel. That way, you get the push notifications when we go live. It's all good. If you guys would rather stay in the podcast format, no harm, no foul. Listen, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Stance. Stance Apparel believes in the perfect fit, and they believe that it matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance team money's already got the right idea jets hate week let's go paul also every week is jets hate week kyle i <laughs> you guys are on the money i love it so listen power to the pot i got a couple of itunes review questions that i want to dig into first and foremost Uh, But then I'm going to be flipping this thing over to the live stream. So you guys, I'm going to try my best to start at the top. We're going to see how many iTunes reviews we've got our way to work through. Uh, But make sure you are dropping what you want to hear me talk about today on the show. My thoughts on anything and everything Miami Dolphins, and sometimes not pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. It's up to you. Uh, So this is your chance, you guys who are here live. Make sure you take advantage of it. Other than that, we do have a couple of iTunes reviews, as I said, which we're going to start with. First, starting with Kavika, longtime listener, first-time reviewer. Kudos on the podcast. As a lifelong Dolphins fan, appreciate your take on our beloved team. Thank you for listening. Oh, no, there's no question here. This is just a really – Kavika, thank you, sincerely. Uh, MKD fan for life, which I feel like leaves a a review every week uh, with the next question here on the iTunes reviews, and it's a good one. As always, thanks for all you do. Me and my wife just adopted a newborn baby boy. Congratulations to you both. That is awesome. Stoked for you guys. Uh, my question, if available, do you think these players from these positions are solid targets and good fits in free agent free agency, or would you rather prefer another player? At wide receiver, he lists two players, Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys and Christian Kirk of the Arizona Cardinals. Out of those two, I like Gallup the most. Gallup's probably going to command $15 million plus per season. Uh, Very, very, very good player. And when you look at what guys were getting last year, Kenny Galladay got 18 last year. Uh, I think Gallup's a more diverse player than him, and that was with the salary cap at 181 or whatever it was. Uh, The cap this year is expected to go up to 208 or so. Uh, Teron Armstead, the left tackle from the New Orleans Saints, or Trent Brown from the New England Patriots uh, as offensive linemen. I think both are good fits. I think Trent Brown has less in the way of durability concerns. It's probably not going to cost as much as Teron Armstead, who, in my opinion, is a, a better player when healthy. Uh, and, and he fits the style of offensive lineman that the Dolphins have typically gravitated towards. So I feel like Trent Brown is probably the best option um, out of those two guys from an economic standpoint, from a value perspective, him playing right tackle, you know, us meaning, wanting to make sure we get that that position figured out. And then he mentions Ernest Johnson, the running back from Cleveland. And I think Ernest Johnson is a fun story. I think he's a fun player. Uh, but I do think he's kind of an embodiment of what this entire regime has been arguing about the running back position. That it's like, look, if you get the rest of the offense right, and they, they haven't, let's be honest, then finding productive running back play should be secondary because you can bring guys in from just about anywhere. I'm not breaking the bank for D'Ernest Johnson. If you can get him on a reasonable deal, and reasonable deal is like one or two mil a season, then yeah, I'd love to have him be a piece of the mix, but I don't think he solves your running back situation. Uh, well, I'm just going to call him Diesel, because I don't know what, what in his name here for the review that he left is supposed to be innuendo or not, but we're, we're just going to call him Diesel left a review of the show. Would like your thoughts on a good target for a backup quarterback next season. Regardless of whether it's Tua or Watson, I would assume the RPO system will remain. And it seemed like that concept was basically scrapped with Brissett. Yes. Uh, I remember you liking Desmond Ritter last season before he went back to school. And the little UCLA quarterback, who he's referencing, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, impressed me against USC as a late round possibility. Also, Marcus Mariota or Daniel Jones as veterans. I'm thinking with Tua's history, it is imperative that the position is heavily invested in. I would agree wholeheartedly it could be argued that it is a huge
1: reason we're on the outside looking as the playoffs currently love the show um i agree that the backup if we got better backup quarterback play than what we got from
0: jacoby Brissett, or at least a, a quarterback that would have better mirrored the kind of offense that you ideally wanted to run Maybe we aren't in this spot. I remember saying at the beginning of the season, you can't be so heavily RPO-oriented, and that at least Jacoby got them out of that and, and found them a little bit more balanced offensively. I really like Marcus Mario. Um, obviously very physically talented as a player. Hasn't worked out as a starter to this point in the league between his time in Tennessee, and then he goes to the Raiders, and he's back up there for two years, and he kind of gets his own sub-package of plays. But you could conceptually do the same things with Marcus Mariota based on his experiences going all the way back to Oregon as you can do with Tua. And that, for me, is kind of the selling point. So I would need somebody like that. Uh, Daniel Jones is not a bad idea. I think his cost is probably going to be prohibitive um, because I don't see the Giants just outright cutting him. So he's going to be on the roster. So you, you would have to move assets to get Daniel Jones. Uh, but I would like a guy who's a veteran. Um, I don't think I'm too keen on uh, bringing in a rookie to play behind Tua personally. I love B-Flow with the question, why aren't the Dolphins elevating Jared Dokes from the practice squad? If he was ever going to do it, this is the week to do it. Because you got three guys, your top three guys in the running back depth chart are on the reserve COVID-19 list. So. Those guys may end up testing out of protocols. Uh, I know COVID right now is kind of hot across the entire league. You've had, I think, over 60 guys over the last two days that have entered into protocols. Um, It's been reported that the the guys from Miami, all of them who went into protocols, are vaccinated. So we're fingers crossed between now and Sunday against the Jets. I think the cutoff is Friday or Saturday. You get two consecutive negative tests, and those guys can, can be cleared and ready to play. Um, but if they're not, and Jared Dokes doesn't get elevated this week, then I'm not really going to have a good answer other than they're, they've just committed to redshirting him. Mr. Bailey, I got two more iTunes reviews, guys. So stick with me. And then the comment section, which is
1: popping off. See you guys. Mr. Bailey, obviously, there's a lot of time between now and the draft. What do you
0: see as the top three positions of the need that Miami should seek to address on days one and two? Hearing a lot of buzz regarding the offensive line of free agency. So for me, I would lean towards a combination of wide receiver, linebacker, and running back with those first three picks. Shameless confession. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't listening to your friend Joe on lockdown bills each Monday after their losses in recent weeks. Something about their misery
1: just makes me happy. I'll drink to that. Locked on Bills has had one more victory Monday episode
0: this season than locked on Dolphins to this point. Who'd have thought? But anyway, as far as three most pressing needs uh, for days one and two, if they don't address offensive tackle, that obviously has to go in the number one spot. It has to, you, you can't run back what you had last this year. Just cover your eyes and hope for the best. That's not going to work out for anybody. So, I would advocate for ad, acquiring veteran talent, and, uh, but I would be remiss to not acknowledge that uh, if they don't address that with veteran talent. But I think you, you're on the right track. I think wide receiver with Will Fuller, regardless of what happens with Devontae Parker, you still have Limbo under contract, but like you need more. You need more outside. You need more reliable guys. Matt Collins is technically an expiring contract. I would want him back desperately because he's really good on special teams too but i don't think his ceiling is ever going to be a guy who gives you quality reps on the outside in the nfl so another separator at wide receiver predominantly guys who can line up on the outside um i think would be a high priority as well obviously the running back position you've invested enough now in the rest of your roster where like it may be a low value position but like you guys are out of excuses at this point. Like You're ready. The rest of your roster is filled with young guys. They might not all hit, but they would at the very least be ready to bring in a running back with a high-level investment of some kind. And linebacker, I think somebody opposite Jerome Baker, uh, you can probably find those guys on day two, depending on what value is there at running back, you're not going to find in the first round. And a wide receiver, if you've already dressed offensive line and you want to draft more for need, um, maybe that's when Devin Lloyd kind of comes into the picture. I would love Devin Lloyd to be the pick. Uh, I don't know whether or not they're, they're going to perceive linebacker to be that high value of a position to draft or not. I don't know, but I just know he's tailor-made for this defense. So I think you're on the right track. Last iTunes review comes from Finkel is Einhorn 13 with a GOAT username. Love that we're playing on a five-game win streak. Love the way we're playing, but I still have the same concern about Brian Flores that I've had since his first game coached against the Ravens. Does not adjust well when everything doesn't go exactly as planned. Rarely makes in-game adjustments, and when he does, it's usually too late over the course of a season. He is the same. This season took eight games to adjust. Let's say Brian Flores leads us to the playoffs starting this year. Optimistic, I know, and leads us to the playoffs the next four years. Is it going to take Flores three or four years to figure out and adjust enough to win a playoff game? This is a large concern for me. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but not necessarily a championship coach. Well, to be a championship coach, you have to start faster than one and
1: seven or 0 and seven, right? I mean, that that's two of your starts. It's technically the first eight games you've been one and seven twice in three years and five and three the other year, but started one and three in that stretch. So. That's the concern for me. Um, I've seen them
0: add enough wrinkles to game plans. I think offensively is is where they really get stale as far as throughout the course of a 60-minute stretch. It seems like they have some money plays that they break out late in the game. And that's kind of why you see them. They hang close, they hang close, they hang close. Negative plays, three and outs, all that. But then you get into crunch time, and they, they typically do move the ball in crunch time particularly well. I know two of splits in the fourth quarter are very, very favorable. Uh, so I don't know. But again, th- this kind of comes back to something that I wish we would see less of from Coach Flo. And, you know, they coach the script of we want to be positioned to win the game at the end of the game, which is an admirable thing to desire. But if that comes at the cost of playing – A little too close to the vest at times once you do establish a bit of a lead. And watching that melt away uh, because you're playing conservative and you don't have enough talent to really dictate terms the way you would like to. Otherwise, that's the part for me that I kind of get stuck. I think the big thing for him is figuring out his offensive coaching staff this offseason. I agree with you, he's a great defensive mind. The back half of the season, this team has been phenomenal under his watch but you do have to start to put it all together earlier and run this over year over year and start to blend so that your 2021 season can be the on- onboarding process for 2022. But that also can't happen with consistency. If you're constantly changing assistant coaches and the messaging and the techniques. So it's kind of this chicken of the egg issue with the way that this uh, coaching regime is set up at this point in time. But I'm willing to, again, I don't want to make any harsh decisions. And I, you know, had asked questions when the Dolphins lost to Jacksonville. about like, okay, like if we were to be looking for a new head coach, what would you guys want? I didn't advocate for anybody to be fired because it's important to take the entire sample size. And I think seeing what the next four games hold is an important stretch of what that sample size includes for the Dolphins this year and Brian Flores. I want to talk to you guys about a really fun opportunity. Uh, that we as Locked On have the chance to provide you uh, with one of our partners. On location, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And on location, which is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, it's the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck visit onlocation.exp.com/sb56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location that's onlocation.exp.com/sb56 or search Super Bowl on location and if you're going to show up to any one of these glitzy or glamoury events and you want to put your own stamp on your style but you also want to be comfortable when you do it i got great news for you our friends At Stance Apparel, or just the ticket for you. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code Locked On
1: at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. Pat with an all-time bad comment in the history of
0: Locked On Dolphins live streams. What is the worst sports movie of all time and why is
1: it draft day? I'm disgusted. A draft guy. An avid draft guy. You can't try to tell me
0: that draft day is the all-time worst sports movie. Next one, from you. If Javon Holland ends up being out this Sunday, who fills in at free safety and how badly does that affect this defense? Eric Rowe, Brandon Jones, God forbid, Clayton Fezlum. It's a good question because Jason McCourty, is out for the year, and he was the guy who started the season at free safety. I don't think it will be Brandon Jones. I think you'll probably see more too high looks from the Dolphins' defense as compared to picket fence on the line of scrimmage, catch coverage 8, 10 yards off, and a lot of cover zero. I think you'll see a lot more too high, Uh, and and I would expect Eric Rowe is the guy who's more experienced in the defense to take control of some of the communications. Um, and if somebody had asked me, you know, Byron Jones used to play free safety, you know, do you do that and then move Nick Neenham outside or you Noah know, Benagony or anything like that? I think it's just easier to kind of utilize Eric Rowe because you have three safeties that are really good. And Brandon Jones when he's healthy as a box defender. Eric Rowe is a guy who has played all over the secondary and has a lot of experience in this defense, and Javon Holland is a dynamic playmaker who's currently on the reserve COVID-19 list. And if he does not play, I think I would probably advocate for Roe to take the calls on the back end. And I would kind of change my coverage looks because, listen, guys, the Jets are going to be without Michael Carter and Tevin Cole. The Jets are going to be without Elijah Moore, who's on IR. They're probably going to be without Corey Davis. I don't know what kind of threats the Jets have from a personnel perspective
1: that's going to put fear in you as this Dolphins secondary. You still got to go out there and execute, right? But this
0: was, if you were ever going to catch a game in which Javon Holland was going to have to miss, the Jets without Elijah Moore and
1: Corey Davis is probably the one that I would draw up. If that means more zone coverage, because you, you don't have to respect
0: so much the threat on the outside or the speed of Elijah Moore after the catch,
1: so be it. But I think that's the big adjustment that needs to take place. I see questions from Michael, John, uh, William. I'm
0: going to grab you guys as best as I can, but I want to go back up to the top of the queue, top of the comments section. Uh, Chris, with the shout-out, my built bar king. Bless you. You have great taste. Pat wants to know, if we don't retain Mike, who is a tight end that you would like for Miami in the draft uh, hunter long is probably a good place can i start with hunter long can i say hunter long does that does that count uh, he's he's not the same kind of player as mike is right i think the closest thing to mike as a player in this year's class is isaiah likely out of coastal carolina who's 6'4 240 averaged like 19 and a half yards per catch across his career at coastal um Very much a receiving threat. I know some people like Trey McBride out of Colorado State a lot. If you're looking for another receiving option type guy, Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is a big name to watch. Uh, I think he's uh, probably late day two, early day three type. Um, But again, Miami has invested a third-round pick in 2021 in Hunter Long, and my expectation would be, unless you're also going to let Durham Smythe walk, Uh, that Hunter Long is going to have a very big role in the tight end room. Whether or not the Dolphins want to run a lot of 12 personnel or not,
1: and I kind of hope they do, we'll see. Uh, Next question in the comments queue. Tyler, we already hit the uh, top three positions of need a little earlier. Jackson, here you go, a little bit more
0: of a – Devin Lloyd question. Feels like Devin Lloyd is the Zavin Collins of last year where he's too good of a player to fall. If Lloyd is not available with our first you see us going offensive tackle or wide receiver. So what's interesting about Devin Lloyd versus Zavin Collins is Zaven Collins is bigger than Devin Lloyd by like 15, 20 pounds. But Devin Lloyd's a more physical
1: player when you watch him play at Utah. Um, I think he takes on blocks better. I think he fills between the tackles a lot better. He's not.
0: So much of a, I don't think he's going to test as well as Zayvon, and that may allow him to kind of drop, but we also need to see if San Francisco doesn't make the playoffs. I'd be surprised if Devin Lloyd is not there for Miami, if they wanted to take. There is, of course, very much the ongoing debate of offensive line versus pass catcher that Miami experienced this year. I will say this, there's a number of offensive tackles that I would like for Miami in the draft this year. Ike Kwanu from North Carolina State, 6'4", 320. Charles Cross, a redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 305. Plays in Mississippi State. A little bit more of a um, pure pass protector. Uh, But if this is how Miami wants to play offense, Cross is probably a a good name to kind of soft circle and keep an eye on. Evan Neal, 6'6", 360. Big Brute, Mauler. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, 6'7", 321. Nicholas. Petit Freer from Ohio State is another one that I really like from Miami. Daniel Falele from Minnesota, who's 6'8", 380. Um, these are all probably top 50, top 60 type guys. You're going to get a crack at some of them. It's just a question on how high that first-round pick comes in the queue. I am very much of the school of thought. Um, do what you can in free agency to allow yourself the flexibility to just draft the best players you possibly can in the draft. Because when you start drafting to try to fill for need, That's how you get a class like 2020, in which you drafted a perceived need in Noah Benogany and a perceived need in offensive tackle in Austin Jackson, despite those very clearly not being the best players available. Because the best players available were a lot of the guys that everybody was hitting you over the head with, talking about how I can't believe they didn't draft Cesar Ruiz at center. Well, it's not as valuable a position. We feel like we got more at center to work with. We signed Ted Karras,
1: right? I mean, that kind of mentality is where you really get into a slippery slope. Uh, But that's a great question. Let's see.
0: Caden with a good question. I don't have this, uh, or excuse me, Calvin with a good question. I don't have this off the top of my head, but this is the right thought process for how Miami goes about acquiring established NFL talent. Which players in cap stricken teams should we go after? And should we overpay to secure a big time player? I think it depends on what you define as overpaying, but yes, we should be looking at the teams that are way in trouble on the cap, especially ones that were not competitive last year and don't have a rosy outlook this year, because those are the kinds of teams, New Orleans is an interesting one. They've, they've notoriously been finagling the cap for the last couple of seasons. They're projected to be like $67 million in the red again this offseason. That's the kind of team that you can go to and offer an opportunity to save some room depending on how they've structured their contracts. I don't know what those look like. That is, that is probably a week's worth of content if we're being honest, but this is the right mentality for if you are going to start that process for yourself and look for some teams, look for those teams who are fringe competitors or non-competitive but have bad cap situations.
1: Let me see. Trevor wants to see Kenneth Walker as a Miami doll. If you're not familiar with Kenneth
0: Walker, uh, Wake Forest transfer to Michigan State this season, he's a phenomenal player. He was very quiet against Ohio State, but I think Ohio State scored touchdowns on their first six or seven possessions in that game. So they didn't really get a lot of chance to run the football. He's mean. The one thing I'm a little apprehensive about with Kenneth is I would love to see him more involved in the passing game. He is a true bell cow, high volume ball carrier, but I don't think he gives you a lot of value uh, on passing downs at this point in time. And that's kind of something that I have always been, I've had a soft spot for guys as backs who can pass bro, because if you can do that with the way the trends at the tight end position are going right now, and you want to have six man protections, uh, having a back that you know that you can rely on is going to allow you to do a lot of things with a uh, mismatch player and a tight end. That's a lot easier to get involved in different ways and not kind of tip your hand for conceptually what route you're trying to manufacture. Because if you take a running back who's a receiving back and you put him out in the slot or you motion him out, oh, there's only that tells the secondary and the defense more than if you come out and you've got a
1: flex tight end who's in a bunch in my opinion. Next question comes from Brandon. Do you think
0: that the Finns will ever be a dynasty again? Do you think this core of young guys could be the part of a Dolphins dynasty? This is a great question. And obviously we're including the Shula years uh, as a dynasty. They went to four Super Bowls in like a 15-year stretch.
1: Um... One, two of them. I don't know if that qualifies as a dynasty. Um, but I can see
0: this, t- this team will be competitive again someday, consistently.
1: This is not a Detroit Lions-level situation. Um, and they've been close a couple of times.
0: And then they've tried to build the bridge and let it fester, and then you, you had to take steps backwards before you could walk forwards again. Yes, I could see if you end up hitting on Jalen Phillips, Siobhan Holland, Jalen Waddle, Tua Valoa, Raquan Davis, Brandon Jones. uh, If Hunter Long ends up being a reliable starting tight end in the NFL, you retain Mike Like That's a really good nucleus of young guys. And they're all guys that are rookie contracts. They are all guys that are developing at the same time. They're going to establish chemistry together. Not to mention guys like Zach Sealer, who you brought in, and Christian Wilkins, if he gets extended. and I don't think any of these guys are, at this point in time, break-the-bank guys that are fringe contract extension players. You just need the right couple of pieces to sprinkle in throughout. And, of course, this is very dependent on Tua Tagovailoa become the quarterback that so many people think he's capable of being. But I would like to think this is not an unrealistic ask or this is not unrealistic for us to uh, aspire to see with this group of guys. I think the foundation that's been built with this regime is really solid. The offensive line needs to get better. You need more proven NFL talent on the offensive line. But at the same time, I do happen to believe that like you have a lot of young talent to work with, and now the pressure's on the coaching staff. Aside of offensive line, which I, I don't think you've got enough,
1: I think you have a lot in right places to continue to work towards being what we all hope they will be, which is an annual contender. As mentioned a little earlier, it was referred to as the built bar king. I don't know
0: about that. But what I do know is that Bilt Bar is an absolutely positively delicious protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. But it is the season of peace and love. So don't bring your favorite Bilt Bars to family parties. Pat, people are so passionate about their favorite flavor. They will fight you for it. Almost guaranteed. So tell Santa to throw a few built bars in those stockings and make sure you load up this holiday season. Right now, you can go to built.com, use promo code lock15 and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com, promo code lock15 to
1: save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar.
0: Glenn wants to know if we signed a running back. This week, can't find any news on the visits. Yeah, so they had four guys in for visits. Uh, I don't believe they signed any of them. Um, you do have Duke Johnson. They're expecting, it sounds like they're expecting Malcolm Brown back off of IR with a quad. Um, obviously, you've got three backs that are hoping to test their way out of COVID protocols. Jared Dokes is available as a call-up if you need him. Uh, so I think they they probably are going to stay in pat. And as we said the last couple of days, when you use running backs uh, as interchangeably and they are relatively as ineffective as the Dolphins backs are, it's not a backbreaker if you got to keep churning. Big Bear wants to know if there's an update on Javon Holland. I'm sure if I missed any news, not to this point in time. And it is 7:47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday as of the time of this recording. I would love for us to have an update depending on when the podcast listeners are catching this on Tuesday uh, or on Wednesday, excuse me. So fingers are crossed. uh, But again, we, we touched on it a little earlier. I think there's enough things that Miami can do and the jets are, are missing a number of their biggest pass catching options, including Michael Carter out of the backfield, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Uh, that, that Miami should be able to play this a little bit more vanilla, almost like what they did last year against the Jaguars. You remember that was a Thursday night game, and uh, who was it that was out? It was Byron Jones that was out. No, but not going to get to play, and um, that was a little bit more of a vanilla back end game plan for Miami, and I think they did just fine. That's probably what I would expect them to see. Uh, let's see. Dan wants to know which Jets defensive lineman worries you the most based on how our offensive line matches up. Sounds like Michael Dieter's good to go. Obviously, Austin Ryder was cut uh, this afternoon being Tuesday at the time of recording. Uh, And if you watched him over the last two games that he played, not really a surprise before Dieter came back. He was objectively bad the last time against the Jets. Uh, So he is out. Sounds like Greg Manns is back from IR as well. So Miami getting some reinforcements on the interior offensive line, but it's at the same time, if Carl Lawson was healthy and he tore his ACL in the, su- in the summertime, uh, he would be public enemy number one on Jets hate week 2.0 this year. Uh, but he's not playing. So Quentin Williams, who's a top three pick, is now public enemy number one. And uh, whether he's going against Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Michael Dieter in the A-gap, uh, he's just that kind of a talent that he is going to really be a thorn. Uh, for you with his ability to get quick penetration and get upfield. Next question comes from, and I want to get a couple more, uh, one MD one, two or 12. Have you got a good off all linebacker prospect, uh, aside, aside, of Devin Lloyd thoughts on Darian Beavers and Damon Clark from LSU. So I like a number of linebackers this year. I like Devin Lloyd. Uh, I like Nakobe Dean in the Duke Riley slash Sam Aguavin type role as that blitz type player, but I don't think that's a th- uh, an early down pass defender type. Uh, I'll tell you somebody I've cooled on a little bit, and it's because I watched him play stack linebacker this year, and that was Brandon Smith from Penn State. Um, he played last year, and it was a guy who spent a lot of time on the hash, uh, almost like what the Notre Dame Fighting Irish did with Jeremiah Wusu-Cormo before he got drafted in the second round of the Browns. Uh, but this year, Brandon Smith spent more time as like a true inside stack off-ball second-level linebacker, that B-level defender behind his interior defensive lineman, and it wasn't good. Uh, so that's that's the kind of linebacker Miami really needs. Uh, I look at Quay Walker from Georgia, who's another 240-pound guy. Chad Muma from Wyoming. Uh, these are probably day two guys. Demon Clark, has we mentioned, from LSU, 245. There's a lot of options. That's the good news. And uh, the demand for that position is
1: not necessarily very high, so you should see some of those guys in day two uh, pretty consistently. Michael wants to know how many seasons I think we are out from
0: being a legitimate Super Bowl contender, saying we don't start off slow anymore. That depends on the quarterback. And, And two has shown some nice growth throughout the course of this season. You really appreciate uh, the ball security that he provides. His accuracy—I know he's in zero to nine and ten to nineteen. He's in the top ten in volume of pass attempts in that area of the field. Doesn't throw a lot of true
1: behind the line of scrimmage throws. Doesn't throw a lot of true twenty-plus yard downfield throws. Um, but he, his continued growth is going to define.
0: What the ceiling is of this Dolphins offense, and ergo the team. We've seen defensively, unless you're playing the Buffalo Bills, and it even the last two games against the Buffalo Bills this season, there's been good stretches of play, good first half in both games. Miami's defense kept them in, and uh, if not for a garbage time, for back of lack of better phrasing, bullshit touchdown from from Josh Allen in the second game. Um, Miami would have had a very respectable defensive performance against Buffalo the second time, but they continue to need to get better defensively playing against that quarterback and that team. Um, but yeah, the, the only way this offense is going to continue to level up and grow and, and be in that position is for Tua to continue to develop and become the player so many people think and hope he's
1: capable of being. And you see flashes of it. Um. It's just got to be more consistent. You need
0: more dynamic plays, more explosive plays. And that'll hopefully come as he continues to get more reps and understands and processes what he's seeing, where his eyes should be starting. And, you know, what? I'll leave you guys with this. this is the last thing I'm going to say today on the show, and it, it does pertain to uh, Tua specifically. If you did not watch the last video that J.T. O'Sullivan put out on Tua Tangavello, which was looking at – The first half only RPOs that the Dolphins implemented uh, in their recent win. I don't remember which game it was that he did. It might have been the Giants game. I think it was the Giants game. If you have not gone and watched that video, it's about 20, 25 minutes. You're at the end of the show, so it's good news. I'm going to wrap right after this. You go watch it as soon as you're done with this. Because he goes into a high level of detail talking about the wrinkles and the layers to Miami's RPOs, some of the things that they're asking Tua to do. And even more interestingly, he kind of covered some of the misreads and misfires that Miami had in the RPO game where he's like, dude, they're leaving meat on the bone just in the RPO system, never mind working him into full field progressions or half field progressions or um, pick a side, you know, you get up to the line of scrimmage if it's middle of field open or closed with how many safeties are back in the deeper portions of the field, you're going to choose a side to work with through your progressions and that kind of growth from Tua plus continuing to get more efficient at the RPO game, which JT was like, look, man, like here's, here's the 14 RPOs they ran in the first half alone and four or five of them, you could have made a different decision and
1: had a more dynamic play. Or these guys on the offensive line just aren't blocking an upright. So I think we all would have loved to have skipped this regression
0: from a record perspective or potential. Uh, yeah, I guess you could technically still call it a regression, even if they went out. Uh, John wants to know where you find the JT O'Sullivan video. Search the QB school on YouTube with Tua, and it should pop up. It's Tua and the... RPU is the title of the video, but just search the QB school and um, Tua and you'll find it. So make sure you check that out. Uh, But I think we all could have done without the regression. You know, Miami's lost seven games already this year. They lost six last year. I understand there's an extra game. You could get to 10. Um, But if the necessary evil here is that that has to take place for them to have the clarity on what they need offensively, to continue to level up and push and so be it hope you guys enjoyed man we almost went 40 minutes live on youtube make sure you like the video hit subscribe on the channel that way you get the push notifications when we do go live it's great seeing so many familiar faces in the comment section some new faces as well I want to thank everybody who tuned in live I want to thank everybody who's listening on the podcast feed as well for your, your continued support of locked on dolphins this show. Is only going to go where you guys take it. Genuinely, thank you all for listening, partaking in this 2021 season with us. Uh, But remember, this is a your team everyday situation, including in the offseason. So plan accordingly. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Fins up. Make it a great evening.